welcome to Talking Fußball Extra, the Aufstieg edition, your source for all things Bundesliga 2 and German lower league football. This edition is going to be slightly different, as you might have already realised, because instead of talking about the Nord Derby, our usual host has gone to hide in some mountains. But don't worry, we still will be covering all things promotion again, and which teams will probably want to join Nick up in the mountains instead of being relegated, as well as what's been happening in the lower leagues. My name is not Nick Valtagen, but Jasmine Barber, your new host. And I still do have two lovely guests with me. First up on the panel is the man I thought wouldn't join us if St. Pauli lost to Ingolstadt. Mike Krukemeyer, how are you doing today? Well, we haven't lost in Ingolstadt, so I'm doing quite good. And of course, I'm really looking forward to tomorrow. So we do record on Monday and tomorrow is the big cup win of St. Pauli at Union Berlin. <coughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> It's been a weird DFB Pokal, but of course you beat Dortmund and by proxy you should be one of the favourites in my eyes. Yeah. So hopefully that goes all good. And next up is a little bit of a coup, but I am excited to bring on a professional to fill out my usual tactical duties and who should also be happy about the results this weekend. Assistant coach of SV Darmstadt, Maximilian Hahn. How are you doing today? I am very well and very happy that we won, especially against my former team. Ooh. So, yeah. I didn't think your answer would be so fightful in the first part of the show. <laughs> Lots to talk about in this fight of Bundesliga, so just catch us after this break for part one. Starting off, unfortunately, some things go bigger than football. The last few weeks have been a terrible time for anyone who's watched the news, and it's bigger than football, but sometimes it affects football. Unfortunately, the war in Ukraine and the Russian invasion has meant a lot away from the pitch and has affected things on the pitch as well. Schalke's results, let's start with, haven't been the main talking point around Gelsenkirchen this week. And it's a lot bigger than any other club. So, Mike, what's been going on at Schalke this week? Yeah, I think as most of our listeners will know, Schalke was sponsored by the Russian gas company Gazprom. And they are sponsored already since 2007 by them. So there were a few protests already in the beginning. But of course, this has taken up speak in 2014 when Russia invaded the Krim. And Schalke tried to push away those discussions also in the past. One storyline was that they only have a contract with the Gazprom Germania which is the German company of Gazprom. But of course, this this is just simply bullshit. And in the last couple of years, they also advertised for North Stream 2 in their stadium. So that's just for all those people who still try to make you believe that football should not mix with politics. So it does. It is mixed with politics all the time around the world. And unfortunately, most of the time, it's just uh, mixing for the wrong sides. 
And yeah, so now the contract from Schalke with Gazprom was ended today. And uh, they also had another slogan on their uh, shirts on the weekend. They just just were Schalke 04 on their shirts. And um, yeah, I don't know how this will develop in the near future, but probably they will just have another company on there. And yeah, as you said, some things are bigger than football. And this definitely is one of the topics. And um, I'm, I'm, we, we do have some discussions in Germany also at the moment that other clubs or the DFL should help Schalke out of their misery. If you ask me, no one should do that. They are in that position for their own reasons. They have been warned about that deal. Uh, there, there have been protests in the past, so no one should help them out. But on the other hand, they will find other companies who will step in. Yep, and further in football, UEFA have come out on top to say that their sponsorship with Gazprom is ending. Anyone who's watched the Champions League as well has seen the Gazprom logos on the LEDs and around the pitch and also the animation before coming into the Champions League. It's quite big news because especially, as you said, they've been on the shirts of Schalke from 2007. I can't remember another logo being on the Schalke shirts. It also affected their board. Matthias Vornig was on the supervisory board of Schalke since 2019, which is pretty controversial in itself. I won't go into too deep details, but he was CEO of Nord Stream, the gas pipeline running into Germany that has been stopped. And he was sitting on the Schalke board and he was a hit of the US sanctions list, so had to resign from his role at Schalke. So, as you said, it's bullshit to ever say that politics and sport don't mix, they naturally do mix. And this has been one of the unfortunate times where they have been mixed and we've had to try and separate them. But away from the obvious issues surrounding, well, everything right now, back to the pitch. What a difference a couple of weeks makes in this league. Only two weeks ago when we last filmed we were talking about Schalke being out of the title but then we had a game week where none of the top six won apart from Schalke to send them back into the title race. But at the top of the table we had an all-important Nord derby between HSV and Werder Bremen. A really exciting match. I think it just encapsulated everything which is really good about the Spider Bundesliga. Mike, are you happy at the result that came out? Well, uh, if you can choose between three different results, it's at least not the worst one. So an HSV win would have been worse. Uh, of course, I would have preferred a draw from a table position at least, but I can also live with a better win, especially given the circumstances, HSV blaming the VAR and so on. So I had a good laugh on that day. Yep, it was a game full of, I wouldn't even call it controversy, just lots of VAR decisions and in my point of view they were all correct. Uh, Max, you watched this game, it's pretty important for your club as well. You probably would have favoured the draw like Mike, but what did you make of it tactically? It was very interesting to see how Bremen tried to put pressure on Hamburg early on. Fun fact, they kind of stole the idea from Kramotzes from Schalke because he used the same approach with Spec 5. So the interesting part was basically how deep and how far both cent or all of the three centre-backs followed their 
respective opposing player so they could put pressure early on in the match and I mean it really showed they could have scored two or three more goals in the first what, 30 minutes and Hamburg couldn't have blamed them. And in terms of the excitement of the Spider Bundesliga, do you agree that this is what's good about it? And do you also agree that those VAR kind of decisions were right in the making? And what do you think of VAR in this Spider Bundesliga? I like the VAR in general, and I, to answer all the other questions, I think that's definitely what makes the second Bundesliga fun. Like, you don't really know what to expect in a way. It could have still ended in a draw, the match. But yeah, that's what it is about fun and a bit of a level of where you can't really predict any games. So that's definitely what makes the second Bundesliga interesting. And from a VAR perspective, I think the calls were quite right or okay. I mean, it's difficult, especially with the handball rule. So yeah, I think it was good calls. And Bank, you're our resident referee. You agree with the calls as well as a non-biased <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i think that's that's the main important thing even with non-biased and uh, uh, it's a pity that nick is not on this call because he would have said every decision against the hsv is a good decision and the correct one of course also <laughs> and i definitely agree with him but even non-biased taking a look at these decisions they were correct, like you said. And I don't, of course, I understand that the HSV is not happy with the situation, with two handball penalties, with the offside goal in injury time. But but you can't blame anyone. And especially the, the offside goal at, in the end, it, it was clear and obvious and it was decided by the linesman, not by the VAR. And uh, the VAR just proved him totally correct and it was offside two times so the first long ball and also the last pass to Winsheimer both of them were clearly offside and the handballs yeah like Max said it, it, you can blame the handball rule in general if you want to but the rule as it is it has been decided in the, in the correct way and you can of course blame the, the referee that he has not seen that on the pitch and that it needs the FBAR to decide that but in the end it was all correct. Now this makes further top of the table one point ahead on 45 points because I know Darmstadt and St. Pauli are both on 44 just one point and on that note I had that absolute privilege to be able to go to the Rudolf Harvick Stadion, the Dresden Darmstadt. I just want to speak of my own experience because I guess going to Dresden has a reputation, I guess, and the fan culture there has a reputation and it's only my second fight of the Bundesliga game. It's the second time I've been to a stadium in Germany. And yes, it was very different. <laughs> um, <laughs> have you been to the away end or just... I was home end. So home end, okay. I was home end. I did not celebrate at the end for my own safety. Um, Good choice, yeah. <laughs> anyone who saw that game, I don't even remember much about it. It wasn't even... Domstadt had a lot of the chances... And then managed to really upset the home fans with a last-minute winner. But a question for Max. You've obviously coached both teams. And quite a lot of players have made it Dresden to Darmstadt 2-4. and fourth. 
But especially with that infamous Dresden fan scene and atmosphere, how do you, as a coach, feel about the Dresden fan scene, for, first of all, and also the kind of differences that you get from the Dresden atmosphere and the Darmstadt atmosphere? If you're a coach of Dresden or working in Dresden, obviously the fans are quite good in a way. I mean, sometimes it's a bit hostile, but in general it's really good because the atmosphere is great. They push you forward. For example, we had a match against against St. Pauli where we've been down 3-0 um, with Jos Luukai as a coach. Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we managed to turn around the game at least to a draw with one man down. And I would say... In the second half, 50% was just down to the fans and the atmosphere because it was so great and really pushed the team forward. So it's almost impossible not to get hyped up, not to feel there's always a chance to, to come back in the game. And we had so many of these games where the fans just pushed you forward. At the same time, if you're working for the opponent, it's quite, yeah, as I said, yeah, in a way harmful for you because in Dresden, you always feel, or the fans in Dresden always feel like, because of the history of them in the DFB or the DFL, you always feel like the referees kind of an enemy in a way. So is the opposing team. So that's quite interesting and a really hard environment to be in, especially if there's some tricky calls and yeah, whatnot. So it's really different to your perspective and which team you're actually coaching. I have to say, I was really surprised when I saw a little bit different from actually being a coach but being a Dresden player seeing a a player miss and the home fans throw stuff completely threw me out I was just like this is a really really wild atmosphere very different so that Darmstadt win 1-0 to put an end of a bad run that they have been on a winless streak of three games that sent them second over St Pauli on goal difference St. Pauli obviously bounced back from there. 3-0 loss to Hanover with a win over Ingolstadt. Mike, any changes in your opinion on who gets promoted? To be honest, I don't know which teams I preferred two weeks ago. So it changes nearly every single minute and in, in the second division. And in the end, it's still only a guessing game. So I believe it will stay that way until at least match day 33. We will have five or maybe even six teams that can do it and if we talk again in two weeks time so next week we will have Nuremberg to host HSV and if they win they will pass them so they will be back in the race it's a funny league it's fantastic and any prediction I could do today will be I don't know gone in in after the next match day so I don't do any uh, predictions but of course I do hope that well, in a perfect world, the three of us would go up. So Nix, Werder Bremen, your Darmstadt and my St. Pauli. And we just need to decide who will beat Hertha in the relegation game. <laughs> yeah, probably going to be Hertha. I, I, I actually count probably most of the teams in the second Bundesliga would beat Hertha right now. Maybe just one thing, as we do have a coach of the second Bundesliga and we do have this VAR dis- dis- discussion. How do you feel about VAR in general? Do you like it? Would you prefer to have the decisions just be done by the referee? How do you see that? I like the VAR and the 
funny because I wanted to ask you anyways, since I've heard you're a referee, is how do you feel about the VAR contacting the referee and not the other way around? Like we have it in, I don't know, NBA, I don't know, NFL. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of think it gives the control and the way uh, the referee is seen away that he has to be contacted. I know he can't see everything, I know, but if there's a controversial decision or if there's a protest from the players, wouldn't it make sense for the referee to go the other way around and be like, hey, guys in the Kölner Keller, can you check that? Yeah, well, first of all, I don't lead games with VAR, unfortunately. It's not done in the Kreisliga in Schleswig-Holstein and not even in the Verbandsliga where I... Uh, that's a shame. Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it's a good point, but maybe the differences to NHL, NBA, NFL are main importantly the, uh, the the time that we have, so the 90 minutes, and we, we don't interrupt the game every 30 seconds. And if you open that door, I think the referees probably will ask the VAR too often. I, I, I don't know that, of course. Maybe it's it's okay to bring that discussion up after the, the season and find new rules for, for next year. But in general, if, if they would do it in the way that they should do to only correct totally wrong decisions... I think we wouldn't have that discussion. And at the moment, we do have so many situations where, yeah, they, they also correct decisions that are not totally wrong. And I think this is the main problem at the moment. So in general, I really like the VAR, but I don't really like the way that it's handled at the moment. So I think it could improve. And for example, uh, when we remember the World Cup or the Euro, It was handled in a better way. They were uh, not interfering so often. And I think this should this should be how you should do it also in the Bundesliga. And unfortunately, they don't do it. And uh, the one thing I would really like to change, get off this uh, offside lines. I really don't like it. You should only correct offside decisions from the linesman if it's clearly wrong and if you have i don't know the the your tooth in offside and the line is drawn at a certain stage i don't really like that so this is not what the rule is meant for so the rule is meant that no one stands five meters next to the goal closer than the last uh, defender and it's not about having your I don't know, shoulder or your big stomach in the way and one centimeter closer to the goal. So um, th th that's the thing I really would like to change. But coming back to your question, I think most of the referees are fine with the way it is dealt at the moment and they are happy that they do have that security in their back. And, and even for the not derby where, where the VAR comes in, I don't know, four or five times, If it comes out in the end with correct decisions, I think also the referee on the pitch is quite happy with the situation. And if you have seen the, the interview with him after the game, he was also happy with it. And I, I don't think that anyone thinks, oh, here, here is someone taking control on my decisions. So that's not the way how referees think, that they really want to do the right thing in the end. And, well, we could do better with the VAR, but I'm happy that we have that function. 
and I just have to quickly add that it's being used a lot better in Germany than it is in the English Premier League. So I'm actually quite happy with most of the really? VAR. Yeah. Because it, if I follow the discussions on Twitter, I always think that it's done in the worst way possible in Germany. <laughs> I, I think that's something to do with Germans always wanting to improve stuff, which is not a bad quality. <laughs> From that discussion, taking a look at the bottom end of the table, there is one curious case of the relegation lot. Ingolstadt obviously lost to St. Pauli. Auer had a very weird game, and it's not weird in the general terms of things, but just some of the events leading up to their game against Paderborn. So obviously our had Szyplewski at the start of the season who was released after the seventh match day in around September time after three draws and four defeats. Then Mark Hensel who was assistant coach there was used as an interim coach but was only interim head coach because he lacked the proper UEFA Pro license qualification and sporting director Pavel Dotchev was on paper the formal head coach as he was the one who held the proper license but a few days ago before their match against Paderborn Mark Hensel was demoted back to assistant coach with Dotchev now being the actual coach. Now the official line is that Hensel is now currently doing his Fussballerda which is UA for pro license qualification but in his time as head coach they had only won three games, drew three and lost ten. Most goals conceded in his times with 33 goals conceded and only scored 17. Their last win came against Rostock in November, so a run of 10 games without a win now. So the official line is Mahenzel's doing his qualification, he doesn't have time to be head coach or what have you. I quickly don't think that's probably right given his record and they're trying to do something new without showing it's something new. Their game on the weekend was a wild one. Their hour went 3-1 up against Paderborn before losing their lead and drawing 3-3. Max, you faced a relegation fight with Dresden during the 2019-2020 season and also had a coaching change from Christian Thiel to Marcus Kalzinski. When you're fighting relegation if you're in a relegation battle and you do change coach how does it affect the staff and players um first of all the season was absolutely wild the 1920 season was very hard in a way especially at the end with covid catching up and the new fixture list so the situation is quite difficult to describe but from what i can tell is that when we started a losing streak in dresden our head coach was sacked. Christian Fjell, who was not only a head coach, he was like, or is a proper club legend. He was captain for Dynamo Dresden. And everyone was quite happy that he joined because he brought in a very new style of play, more possessional based. And he was really liked and loved by the fans and the club, and especially the players and the coaching staff. So it was really hard for us. And it felt like we missed a chance in a way. So everyone was quite like devastated and the timing was shortly before the winter break started. It was also really hard for us because the new coach came in. We had a first match against Osnabrück and we didn't really have any time. to. No, we first started against Sandhausen. We had an interim coach 
then the new coach, Markus Kautzinski, came in and we didn't really have time to prepare. We were traveling to Osnabrück after drawing against Sanhausen and just lost 3-0 against Daniel Tunis Osnabrück. So in that way, the change of coaches was, wasn't really like started well because Tunis teams, especially the, the Osnabrück side, was known for a lot of changes in formation. Then we had a lack of yeah, preparation in that way because new coach, obviously. So it was really hard. But as soon as the winter break started, it was, we traveled to Spain to training camp And everything felt quite new and we were quite happy and we actually felt that we might be able to avoid relegation and it looked really good. We went on a short winning streak, won against uh, Regensburg, or we drew against Heidenheim, had a proper fight against Regensburg where we turned around a game. We turned around a game against uh, Wiesbaden and also won the derby against Auer. And then COVID hit. We were, yeah, we have been the first team at that time to pr get properly hit by a lot of COVID cases and the health authorities yeah, forced us to isolate because everything was new, no one knew what COVID was about and then we had eight games in 22 days and yeah, went down, especially that time was really draining, it was really hard because the whole schedule is so tight, you have a match day, you do all the video analysis for the next opponent you prepare The training session, you have two days of training at best. Then second day training, next day is a match. You travel to the match, play the match. On the way back, you already analyze the next opponent and the game. So it was really, really hard, really, really draining. And at the end, we sadly got relegated. Even though we still, it was also, we, we still managed to fight until almost the last match day. So yeah, it was quite, quite a season. <laughs> Do you feel a change of coach helped or hindered in the end? It definitely helped because maybe the timing was a bit off, but it definitely helped, especially with the training camp in Spain. We really felt there's like there's a new, new attitude, a new energy in the club and in the squad, and we really felt like we could, yeah, turn it around. I guess the problem with our now is that they don't have that training camp. They do have that change of personnel once again. That, I mean, they are nine points off the relegation playoff spot, so probably a bit too hard for them to deal with such a change again. But towards the end of the table, Dresden's also dropping. They're only one point off the relegation playoff now, haven't won since winning against Auer in December, and Hansa Rostock's also dropped into the relegation playoff instead of Sandhausen. Hansa Rostock with only one win in 11, while Sandhausen just moved one point away with their 1-1 draw over Heidenheim. That's it for part one. Stay tuned for part two, where we talk about lower league football and also Mike's ground hopping tip. where we look at the lower leagues of German football and it's probably about time we revisit one of the clubs we talked about earlier in the season at Gutschmünchen. We mentioned them all the way back in October last year and how Hassan Kivran was a thorn in that club. I thought they might have gotten the backing that they needed to make their way up to the Zweite Bundesliga but I am also very naive 
Mike, however, saw this coming from a mile away, and now they're in a lot more trouble than we thought they'd be. Mike, can you give us the lowdown on what's happening at Gucci Mansion and what's happened from the last few months? Yeah, I think it's the same old story when a rich man tries to step in at a club in Munich and bring them to glory. So we faced that formerly at the 1860. Um, so after Toguchi went into bankruptcy a few weeks ago, a nine-point reduction is the normal way. And due to violation of some license agreements, it's now e even 11 points at the moment. Although they try to fight hard for two points less, but looking at the table, that really won't make any difference. So they will end up last place anyhow. If it's nine or 11 points, that really won't matter at all. But to make things worse, it looks like they might stop participating in the league at all by end of March, as the wages are only guaranteed until that date by German law at the moment. So if it happens, all games will be taken out of the competition. And fun fact on that, 1860 Munich might benefit from that and with that step back into the promotion battle, which at the moment it seems they are out, but uh, and they have only gotten one point out of two games against Turkuchu and most of their opponents have six points out of these two games or four or whatever, so they might come back into the ring. The Dritte Liga is absolutely insane for um, especially amount of goals. Mike de Borg have been absolutely insane. I think they're widened the gap or the gap is still around 14 points at the top of the league. So many goals being scored in that season. Obviously, Toguchi Munchen has such a cultural tie into the community and seeing anything bad for them is really heartbreaking for anyone involved in that club at the moment who hasn't had any kind of say in how that club is run and especially the players there. So hopefully it doesn't happen. Hopefully they can find a buyer, but given the sporting situation, it doesn't look like they will or anyone particularly wants to take on that club right now. But maybe them being completely bankrupt and being reborn from the flames of the ashes might be a good way for them. We've seen it happen before. Is there any safeguards that the league can take from this to stop happening? As you said, we've seen it slightly happen to 1860 Munich as well. Is there anything that you think you could suggest? Well, I don't think so. I think the agreements we do have in German football are quite good. But if there is an investor and he takes out all the money in one step, then well, you can't prevent that from happening, I think. Um, and as we're talking, they are losing 1-5 to Zabrücken. Uh, so I, I don't think that there is that much hope for <laughs> sporting success. Live sporting news as it comes to you. That's what this podcast is all about. Away from such doom and gloom, we'll get to your ground hopping tip in just a moment, Mike. But we've got a coach with us, someone who's visited quite a few, well, Spider Bundesliga and Dritte Liga stadiums. Are there any maps that really stand out for you, both as a fan? and also as a coach and professional working there in terms of atmosphere. As a fan, I really think you have to experience Dresden. Like, it doesn't <laughs> matter which team you support, but it, it's just something you have to experience because it, because it can be really great. It's really unique in that way. We all know what 
some types of Dresden fans also do and what they think. But in an atmosphere way, it's really, really great or it can be really, really great. So that's definitely something you at least have to experience. doesn't matter if you support Dresden or not, but you kind of have to feel the energy in the stadium and in the crowd. So that's definitely from a you know, fan point of view, I guess. St. Pauli was also great, I have to say, when we played you guys. Usually we lose, right? Even at home. Yeah, yeah that's mm, probably why it was yeah. so great. <laughs> <laughs> no, but again, from a fan point of view, it was really nice. From a working kind of view, I would actually say Hannover is one of my favorite. Was one of, no, still is one of my favorite stadiums because the infrastructure is quite nice. You have short ways from the locker room to your place on the pitch to the benches, etc. Same goes for Hamburg. And Stuttgart, like all the teams that have been playing in the Bundesliga because the infrastructure is so good. They also work up grounds, right? So yeah. all the three yeah. stadiums, yeah. And from smaller teams, our, interestingly, has also a really nice stadium because it was really new. And one of my other favorites is definitely Fürth. Fürth? Kreuter really? Fürth Stadium. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because it was probably because it was new, but the ways there is also really short. Like you have the locker room, then you have a short tunnel, then you're already on the pitch. Because you have sometimes you have um, places where you have to walk ages. Can you name one? Darmstadt. <laughs> yeah, okay, Darmstadt, yeah. <laughs> Darmstadt, definitely. But Bochum was, I think, one of the longest ways I ever had to walk. Because it also affects the preparation. Because we have a strict time like schedule when we have to go out for the warm-up and so on. And if you have a way of like four minutes to the ground, you have to reorganize the whole schedule. So... Yeah, these stadiums are definitely interesting to see. And of course, Greutherford will be back down in the Spider Bundesliga next year, barring a miracle. So I guess that's still relevant to this podcast. Um, so without further ado, Mike, your ground hopping tip for this week, please. Yeah, before I do that, I would just like to agree to the Dynamo Dresden tip because it's, uh, as you say, it's... it's uh, as a supporter, you should experience that. And of course, when you are a player or trainer at that club and they bring up the banner that you have 90 minutes to leave the city when you are relegated, then of course, that's a different point of view. But uh, as a supporter, and if you do have the chance to visit the stadium, well, in the home end or on a neutral section, then I think it's, it's a really, really great atmosphere. Of course, when you come there as a, visitor or especially as St. Pauli, well, make sure you get some security advices before that. But coming back to my ground topping tip, so as promised some episodes ago, I will now take you with me to the stadium of my childhood. So it's the stadium of the fifth league club Bremer SV and it's called by the lovely name Panzenberg. It's a small stadium for at the moment 5,000 people with four small stands and uh, only one stand has a roof and on that we also have 320 seats. So that's the main stand and the BSV, so that's how they are called, tries to get to the Regionalliga Nord now for some years, but they fail every single year in the playoff games against the teams from Hamburg, Schleswig-Holstein and Niedersachsen. The record attendance at that ground was 7,500 back in 1967 against another local club in Bremen, the Blumenthaler SV. 
And unfortunately, at the moment, they are not allowed to play their DFB Pokal matches at that ground. They need to play at uh, FC Oberneuland's venue. But I was lucky to see clubs like St. Pauli or Hansa Rostock there in the good old days when the BSV played in the Oberliga Nord, which was the third league back then. So if you do plan to visit Nick's club, Werder Bremen and the Visa Stadium, make sure that you also get a home game of the Bremer SV at the Stadion am Panzenberg. And just to add on to everyone's Thursday ground uh, visit tip, maybe don't go during COVID times if you're a bit like me and a little bit OCD of everyone around you because I did have one fan spitting just in front of himself for a, the whole match. And I feel like... Somewhere like Prima SV would be a lot more SV even. I'll remember my German alphabet. It sounds a lot more nicer than what I experienced at Dinamo Dresden. But a note to end on. This is another edition of Talking Football Extra, Aufstieg edition. I hope you enjoyed it. This episode was produced with the utmost care of Aidan Randall. Hosting has been very hard work. I hope you've still enjoyed this episode. Mike, where can we find you? Yeah, on Twitter you can find me at Mike Kru, but you better follow the Milantum. And Max, thank you again for coming on and being my replacement for today. Where can we find you on Twitter? Um, you can find me... What is my ad again? Underscore Maximilian Hahn, right? You also made the mistake I normally make in during our outro. I forget my at as well. Oh, amazing. So, so amazing. Really well, yeah. <laughs> Please follow at TalkingFussball on Twitter.com where you can find all episodes and on Patreon slash TalkingFussball. Next up will be Fantasy Boys. Where can we find you, Jasmine? You can find me at underscore Jasmine Barber. I've remembered my app for once. Take care and hope you have a good listen to the show.